Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Thank you for listening to Bible Truth for Living. This is your host, Pastor Tim Reynolds. Today I want to bring a message titled, Where is God? I'm reading from Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. The psalmist David says, Whither or where shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Well, less than two weeks ago, evil reared its ugly head at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. A young man armed with multiple weapons entered a classroom and slaughtered 19 little children and two teachers. The pictures and the stories that have been coming from that location have been heartbreaking to say the least. But you know, evil is nothing new. Evil actually began in heaven in the heart of Lucifer. Lucifer, we know, was cast out of heaven along with one-third of the angels, and then uh, when he was here on the earth, he introduced evil to Adam and Eve in the paradise of the Garden of Eden. Since that time, evil, what we call sin, has been transmitted biologically and generationally for the past 6,000 years of human history. Now, someone may ask, if there is a God, why does evil exist? Well, you could also flip that question around and say, if there is no God, why does good exist at all? Uh, One young man's evil act revealed the uh, benevolent and brave good acts of thousands of people, probably millions around the nation and even around the world. Uh, In fact, we would not know what good is if evil did not exist. So unfortunately, you have both good and evil. Now, there is coming a day when all evil will be eradicated, but there is no amount of man's legislation. No, We can't make enough laws to make man good and eradicate evil. No amount of education, no amount of inventions or uh, financial uh, exploits, and none of these things will accomplish uh, the eradication of evil. That will only happen when the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, returns to this earth. But every time there is a tragedy, whether it's a personal or national tragedy, uh, it may be a natural disaster, a war, people often ask, where was God? Uh, how could God allow something like that? Why didn't God prevent that? To answer those types of questions, we must understand the nature of God. You see, God in his omniscience, that means he is all-knowing, and omnipresence, he is all-present everywhere at one time. He is fully aware of all things taking place, whether they are good or whether they are evil. In fact, here in our text of Psalm 139 and verse 2, the Bible tells us that God is aware of everything we are worried about, all of our worries. David says, thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising, you know, when I, I go to bed and when I get up. Thou understandest my thought afar off. You know, sometimes we'll say, well, what were you thinking? Well, we may not know, but God knows. God knows what we're thinking. He knows what we are worried about and concerned about. 
He knows our ways. Verse 3, thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. We may not understand the ways of people, but God does. He knows our worries. He knows our ways. And then he knows our words in verse 4, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. So God has all of this knowledge. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. And yet with all of his knowledge, God self-imposes limitations on his own power in order to allow man to have a free will and to make choices. As strange as it may sound, it is actually the love of God that allows evil to exist. You say, how is that? Well, it is God's love that allows man to have the choice. You can make good choices. You can make bad choices. God doesn't force that upon us. It is our free will. Now, sometimes uh, choices work in our favor. Those are good choices, but many times they don't. Those are bad choices. You can't have it both ways. Uh, For instance, in America today, we have ushered God out of our culture. We've uh, told God we don't need him in our government institutions. We don't need him in our government schools. Uh, We're fine without God. Uh, Some endorse the killing of innocent babies in the womb, so we've aborted millions of babies. We've confused our young people with the theory of evolution, telling them they are the product of chance. We've also confused them in regards to their gender with the LGBT plus agenda. We've intentionally destroyed the foundation of society, the nuclear family. And then when tragedy strikes, we want to cry out, well, where was God? Now, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, God, we don't need you. And then whenever something bad happens, say, well, where was God? Why didn't God prevent that? It's sort of like back in the day when Elvis Presley performed, uh, people would wait around after his performance. And finally, the announcer would come on and would say, ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has left the building. Well, one has to wonder, has God left the building, so to speak, when it comes to uh, our culture and the evil that we see in it today? Now, I want you to know if you are a believer that God is there. He promises to always be there, and that's what this message is going to be about. Also, if you are an unbeliever and you are searching, I want you to know that God is there. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. But you must search for him. You must seek him. Where is God? Where can you find him? I want to share some places with you where you'll find God. Uh, Number one, God is in the eye of the storm. In Mark chapter four, you have Jesus who has spent all day teaching and in his humanity, he's growing weary. He wants to withdraw from the crowd. And so he tells his disciples, hey, let's get in the ship and let's go to the other side of the sea. And we'll pick it up in Mark four and verse 36. The Bible says, when they had sent away the multitude, they took Jesus, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat uh, into the ship so that it was now full. And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. You ever feel like God was asleep on you? God's not paying any attention. He's not aware. Well, Jesus is asleep. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, cares thou not that we perish? Jesus, don't you care about our situation? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still, just three simple words. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. In verse 37, you have a great storm, and in verse 39, you have a great calm. 
Now, there are all kinds of storms that arise in our lives. There are financial storms. We've all been there. A time when you didn't have enough money to make ends meet, um, you know, pay the rent, make the, the uh, electric payment. Uh, sometimes there are relationship storms within a marriage or maybe between a parent and child. Uh, there are health storms. Maybe you get a bad health report or you're going through cancer treatments. These things are going to come. No one escapes them. You don't come into this world without facing some kind of storm in life. But the Lord in his time and in his way can bring great calm to your great storm. I like the song, Eye of the Storm by Ryan Stevenson. The chorus of that song says, in the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor. When my sails are torn, your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. Beloved, I want you to know that God is in the eye of the storm, but God is in another place. God is in the heat of the fire. I'm going to share with you a story from Daniel chapter three. Let me set the stage for what's going on here. At this time, there were Jewish captives who were taken to the nation of Babylon, which in fact is modern day Iraq. And while in Babylon, uh, the king was Nebuchadnezzar. And we have the name of four of those young men. One was Daniel, whom the book is named after. And then you have the three Hebrew boys, we call them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right. Now in Daniel chapter three, King Nebuchadnezzar comes up with an idea. He decides to create a large statue of gold after himself and wanted all of the people in Babylon, including these Jewish captives, to bow down and worship the idol. And what was to happen was the music would play. When the music played, everybody was to bow down. And so that's what happened. They played the music and everyone, including nearly all of the Jewish captives, apparently, they all bowed down to this idol that had been made. But the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, wouldn't bend down and worship. Well, the king calls them in and says, now, boys, maybe you didn't understand the instructions. You know, sometimes uh, governmental instructions can be difficult to understand, and maybe you didn't quite get it. Maybe there was a language barrier. And so I just want to make sure you're clear on what you're supposed to do. When the music sounds, the, the, the horns blow and the drums beat, you bend down and you worship this image. And I'll forget all about this, but if you don't, you're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. And they reply to him and say, well, King, we want you to know something. Our God is able to uh, spare us from your fiery furnace. And if he, even if he doesn't spare us, we want you to know that we're not going to bow down. We're not, we're not just not going to do it. Well, this made Nebuchadnezzar angry. And he had the fire of that furnace stoked seven times hotter and the Bible says that when they threw the Hebrew boys into that fire, that the fire was so powerful, it, it burned up those that threw them into the fire. But I want to pick this up in Daniel 3 and verse 23 and then explain what I want us to, to get from this. The Bible tells us, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So they had their hands tied and were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste. Apparently, he sat down to watch the boys burn, but they didn't burn. He jumps up from his seat, and he said to his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, that's true, O king. He answered and said, lo, I see four men loose, 
They're no longer bound. This fire burnt the ropes, but didn't burn anything else. And there's not only three men, there are four. They're walking in the midst of the fire as if they're just having a conversation. They're visiting and they have no hurt. There's not even a blister on them. Not a hair is singed. Now, this part's interesting because uh, I I have no answer to this, how Nebuchadnezzar recognized this, and we'll have to find this out in heaven. But the Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar says, and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Now, how did he know that? Jesus had not even been born in Bethlehem yet. Well, the Holy Spirit had to have revealed that, but he says they're not hurt, they're not bound, and there's four of them, and, and one is like the form of the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. Now, Could the Lord have spared them from the fire? Absolutely, but he didn't. He allowed them to go into the fire, but notice they came forth from the midst of the fire because the Lord was with them. I want you to know that God is in the heat of the fire. Now, if you're a Christian in today's culture, sooner or later, you're going to face some heat. There used to be a time you could sit on the sidelines or on the sit on the fence, as they say, and blend in. Those days are past. You're either going to bow to the culture and what the culture says is correct and right, or you're going to get burned by the culture. So you can bow to the culture or get burned by the culture. The culture will call you insensitive, bigoted, outdated if you stand for the things of God. But be of good cheer. You have good company in the fire. I want you to know this as well that you and I are better off having God with us in the fire of man's wrath than to be with man in the fire of God's wrath. You see, God's wrath is much more serious and eternal than man's temporal wrath. I want you to know that God will be with you when you face the heat of the culture and you stand for what is right. The world may not like you. The culture may not agree with you. They may want to burn you, so to speak, but you're in good company. Jesus Christ will be with you. So God is in the eye of the storm. He is in the heat of the fire. And then God is in the depths of the valley. Psalm 23, 4, you're familiar with this verse. The Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. As our shepherd, God often has to lead us through some frightening and dangerous places. Sometimes that includes an untimely death. Uh, That could be physical death, the death of a loved one, maybe a spouse, a parent sibling or child. I think it also can include the death of a relationship. You know, um, divorce can sometimes be a a form of death. Maybe a relationship, a broken relationship with a child can oftentimes feel like a death. You know, this past week, uh, families in Texas have been going through funeral services for those little ones and, and those teachers Uh, what that would be like, I have no idea. I hope to never experience that. You say, what what do you say to someone like that that's experienced such tragedy? What, What do you say to them? Well, you know, I don't think there are any words that even we as pastors have. I think all we can say is that uh, the Lord is with you. He promises to be with you. Uh, That's about as deep a valley as you can get into. The Bible says when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil because God is with us. 
The Bible also says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Hold on to that promise. When you go through tragedy and you're going to face it, you'll face death, uh, not only personally, but uh, of loved ones. When you go through that valley of the shadow of death, yes, you grieve, but we don't have to grieve as those who have no hope, the Bible says, but you're in a valley and that's a deep valley, but know that God is with you because he'll never leave you there. He'll never forsake you even in the valley of the shadow of death. And then the fourth thing I want you to see is that God is in the whisper of the wind, the whisper of the wind. We're going to read from 1 Kings chapter 19, and let me tell you what's going on in this passage of scripture. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the prophet Elijah has had a great victory over the prophets of Baal. If you remember that story, the prophets of Baal basically were pitted against the prophet Elijah. And for a full day, they called upon their God to bring fire down from heaven to burn up uh, the sacrifice on the altar, and it didn't happen. They they began to yell out loud and cry, and the Bible says they even cut themselves with rocks and got no response from their God. Why is that? Because he was dead. It was a false God. And then Elijah, when it was his turn, had him pour water all over the altar and dig a trench and had water everywhere. Remember, it hadn't rained for three and a half years, so I mean, water was scarce, but he said, pour all that water out. And then he prayed a simple prayer to God. And when that happened, God brought fire down from heaven. It not only burnt the sacrifice, it burnt up the altar, licked up all the water that was around, and Elijah scored a great victory in chapter 18. But when you get to chapter 19, we find that Queen Jezebel gets word of this, and she puts a bounty on the head of the prophet Elijah. Elijah now turns from this brave prophet who scored a great victory to a cowardly prophet. He's on the run. He begins to hide. And in verse 9 of chapter 19 of 1 Kings, we find him hunkered down in a cave. He's discouraged. He, he's in a time of despair and depression. The Bible says, and he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Now, how this word came, I don't know. Did God speak through his spirit? Did he speak audibly? We don't know, but he says, what are you doing here? And Elijah responds with this, and you can call this the Elijah project, uh, the, the Elijah complex, rather. He says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. I've been doing everything right. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've slain your prophets with the sword. And I only, I only am left. I'm the only one, God, that still loves you and still is serving you. And they want to kill me. They seek my life to take it away. And that's what he feels like. And so he's just hunkered down in a cave. And God tells him, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. So as the Lord passes by and I believe that's probably another pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, just like he was in the fire with the three Hebrew boys. And this great wind, maybe think of a, a windstorm, tornado, but God is not in that wind. And then after the wind, an earthquake, everything begins to shake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. So you have this great big storm, this wind, God's not in that, he's not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. These are all three magnificent Uh, things that are occurring, and God's not in any of them. But the Bible says, and after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, apparently his ears were tuned in because he hears this 
still small voice that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. He's in a time of discouragement. And you know, many times in times of discouragement, we look for God to do these great, marvelous, majestic things. God can do that. He can act in those ways to reveal his power. But I know I have found in the majority of my Christian walk that God speaks more frequently in the quiet places, in the secret places, and in quiet ways. He doesn't always move in the great, magnificent ways. It's sometimes it's by the the words of a child or maybe a testimony or something that if you're not in tune with, you can miss it. But God's in that. Now you say, why? Why doesn't God show himself in magnificent ways all the times? Why in the, the whisper of the wind? Well, because that is what causes us to search him out and to be sensitive to his voice. You think of someone who comes to speak in a whisper and they lower their voice and they talk with a whisper. When someone talks in a whisper, the person listening has to get closer. They have to bend their ear to hear the whisper. When God speaks in a still, small voice, or you think of in a whisper, it causes the person to get closer to God, to hear what God is saying. How do we draw closer to God? Well, we do that through this radio program, this podcast. You're listening. This is bringing you closer to God. When you go to church service, every time you hear a gospel song, when you read your Bible, when you pray, you're you're becoming more sensitive to the voice of God so that when he speaks in those still small voices, in those whispers of the wind, you can hear what he's saying and you can gather what he wants you to do. You see, as children of God, we know his voice. I like what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You see, we hear his voice and he knows us. And when we're sensitive, we can hear that whisper in the wind, even in times of discouragement. So the question again is, where is God? Well, I've shared with you today that God is in the eye of the storm. Are you in a storm, a financial storm, a relationship storm, a health storm. I want you to know God is there. He's in the heat of the fire. Are you feeling the heat of the culture? Are you standing for things that are right and it's tough, maybe at work, maybe with your children and you're taking the heat? I want you to know God is there. He's in the depths of the valley. Are you going through a period of mourning? Maybe you've lost a loved one and you're dealing with that. Maybe a relationship has fallen and it feels like a death. I want you to know he's there. He's also in the whisper of the wind. Are you discouraged? Are you looking to hear from God and you're not sure what God is trying to get across to you? I want you to know he's in the eye of the storm, in the heat of the fire, in the depths of the valley, and in the whisper of the wind. I'll close with a poem called God is Always There. We often feel as though God is far away, and we often feel that he is distant when we pray. So often we feel lonely, not knowing where to turn, just a touch from God above our longing spirits yearn. So many times in our lives, God seems slow to act. We cry out in desperation, but it's faith we often lack. For God is not being slow in coming to our aid. He comes through in his time. We just need to learn to wait. 
The Lord is never distant. He is there by our side and continues to walk with us through the storms in our lives. He always hears our hearts cry and answers all our prayers. He won't leave us all alone for God is always there. Beloved, I want you to know that God is there in all of these situations. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the broadcast. And again, we want to remind you that these messages are available on the Bible Truth Podcast. If you go to your favorite podcast host and search Bible Truth Podcast with Tim Reynolds, you'll be able to find it. And our messages are there. We're still in the process of getting this off the ground. We're going to be adding more things and and uh, we want you to know that. Uh, so it is available. And we also appreciate those who are supporting us because you're helping us to stay not only on our radio stations, but also to make the podcast available as well. If you'd like to be a partner with us, you could write to us and send your best gift to Bible Truth Broadcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. The announcer will repeat that as well. Finally, I'd like to invite you to the churches where I have the privilege of pastoring. Uh, Mount Vernon Baptist Temple is located at 817 Woodland Drive, We have Sunday school connection groups for all ages beginning at 9 a.m., morning worship service at 10 a.m., and then Sunday evening service at 6 p.m., and Wednesday evening Bible study at 6 p.m. as well. And then at Waltonville Community Church, we're located at 321 South Hiram Street there in Waltonville, and we begin every Sunday morning at 11.15 a.m. We'd be more than happy to have you at one or all of our services And uh, it'd be exciting to see you there. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We look forward to being with you at the next appointed time. And until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.